I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. Today we continue our mini-series on Maritime Africa. So if you've not heard any of the previous episodes, do please go back to our back catalogue and find all of the fantastic topics we have already covered. They include an episode on African indigenous canoemen, a hugely important aspect of Africa's maritime history. An episode on the terrifying skeleton coast of Namibia, famed for its many hundreds of shipwrecks. And an episode on the culturally vibrant Swahili coast of East Africa that draws so much influence from the Arab world. We've also published an episode on African whaling, which locates Africa in the broader story of 19th century whaling. Today we're heading back to the East Coast and to the island of Mozambique, a UNESCO World Heritage Centre. Here you will find a fortified city with links that take you back to the era of Portuguese exploration in the 15th century. Vasco da Gama was the first European to arrive here in 1498 and returned in 1502 with Portuguese settlers. It went on to become central in Portuguese plans to control trade in the Indian Ocean. The island of Mozambique was particularly valuable because it was the first safe harbour after ships had endured sailing around the Cape of Good Hope, but still had many thousands of miles to go on their voyage to the east. Unsurprisingly, the island has a significant history and heritage that links the African, Arabic and European worlds and also is surrounded by very important shipwrecks, vessels that founded in this period of slavery, exploration and early international maritime trade that is so crucial to the history of the world. To find out more, I spoke with Ricardo Duarte. He's an archaeologist based on Mozambique Island, where he develops research in shipwreck studies and underwater archaeological sites, supporting UNESCO efforts to protect this endangered heritage. He also studied coastal sites linked to early urban development in Eastern Africa and the history and social organisation of coastal societies and their relation with the sea. As ever, I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoyed talking with him. Here is the truly excellent Ricardo.
Well, Ricardo, thank you very much for joining me today. It's really lovely for you to come on the podcast. Thank you, uh, Sam. It's a pleasure for me. It's an honor also to be invited for a, a well-known person in this uh, area of historical studies and media. And uh, I think it's also an opportunity to divulgate this fantastic, very much unknown history of the Indian Ocean and East Africa. Absolutely. Well, what is the best place to start if we're thinking about the Portuguese exploration of East Africa? Uh, somewhere in the end of the 15th century, beginning of the 16th century. And uh, this was a fantastic odyssey because this uh, Vasco da Gama, uh, this Portuguese explorer, make this first trip to India. <coughs> this is in... Uh, 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 1498, no? but already in the beginning of the, the, the 1600s, they were sailing regularly all along the Indian Ocean up to Malacca and uh, uh, Japan and uh, all the Indian Ocean was uh, under trade with the, the Portuguese. Yeah. It's very interesting because around the, in 1535 there was a, already a huge galleon sailing. This is one of the biggest galleons, the Santiago. He was sailing uh, to India and somewhere between Madagascar and Mozambique in the, in, the, in the Chanel there was a big atoll called Bashes de India and the ship was sailing with good winds from the south and there was an error of taking the position. There were several people taking the position in the, in the ship, but there was an error, and the, the boat hit the shoals of the Santiago and with uh, uh, 350 people on board. Wow. Uh, and that was a, a place very, with no life, uh, no... Um, no tree, no, no vegetation, any bo- it's an atoll that uh, at high tide it was uh, uh, all covered by, by water. No? Yeah, yeah, and a very sh- sharp coral, a very inhospitable, unpleasant place. Yeah, so the boat wrecked there and uh, they managed to make some rafts and some use one boat of one, one uh, small boat of the ship. And some of the passengers and crew managed to travel up to to, to Mozambique coast. And this was a fantastic odyssey that is related on that book. There is a fantastic book called Tragico Maritime History. It was translated in English by Boxer. And it was fantastic accounts of these dramatic shipwrecks. And these, uh, these people in rafts and boats, they managed to, to sail across the Indian Ocean 400 miles up to the mainland in, in, in East Africa. And wow. uh, they arrived uh, to the mouth of the Zambezi River, more or less in the mouth of the Zambezi River. And they find there, already settled, this is in 1535, huh? They found already an informal Portuguese settler there, established there with trade and everything. You know, this is incredible. Uh, and uh, 
the, this man uh, guess them, uh, take them as guests and he organized for them to be, evacu- to be evacuated to Mozambique Island and they were sailing along, they, they, the account says that they are, uh, have been sailing along the Zambezi in a fantastic boat, the Luzio. That was uh, maybe, I, I think it is a replica of the, a fluvial replica of the, the famous extinct boat, the Metep. And also right. Luzio is also extinct now. And this Metep boat that used to sail is the characteristic boat of the East African coast. The boat that used to sail since the 7th, 8th, 9th century along the East African coast, taking cargo and uh, joining together the, this um, stone town, these towns, né? state towns of East Africa that developed after the 7th, 8th century along the East yeah. African coast. So this, and we've uh, heard a little bit about those. We've heard about Songo Manara and Kilwa. Um, tell me a little about this, um, the, the, the Arabic trade that was moving up and down the coast before the Portuguese arrived. Uh, I, will, I will not speak of, uh, only about Arabic trade, you know. Some people say, ah, the Arabs trade the Arabic. It's more uh, Indian Ocean societies uh, trading coastal societies. And this was... Uh, do you know this? Uh, after the death of the Prophet Muhammad, they expanded. No? Islam expanded to to the remnants of the Persian Empire. It was the the Sasanid dynasty at that time. So they established the capital of the Caliphate in in, in Baghdad, and it was this powerful, this healthiest of the Persian Empire that gave strength to the to the Islam expansion. So these were not, not more Arabs. It was a small group in Mecca with Mahomet, but after uh, with the conquest of Syria and Iraq and the, the, there was uh, all that people from uh, old Persia involved in the development and the expansion of Islam. And uh, not only them, but uh, there was people like Northern India, the Gujarat region, and the very and the, these uh, these states in southern India in the far, in the far east. There was mm-hmm. the Tang dynasty in China, very healthy, and the empires like the Srivijaya in Indonesia, Indonesia, in the beginning of the Khmer Empire, and all this was very healthy societies that used to trade, involved in trade, but of course. The, the people from the Arabic Peninsula has a very uh, contribution to that because they used to sail in big dhows already and they're still today, you know, you go to Oman, you go, you find they still build rep, uh, dhows like they have been yeah. using in the past. So the, the, these people have gave a big contribution, but it, not, it was not only. And uh, to East Africa, these uh, state towns of East Africa were regularly... Uh, visited by travelers from all over the Indian Ocean and we have also people from Indonesia that uh, um, they settled in Madagascar you know, around uh, maybe uh, 900, 1000 around that time they settled in Madagascar, they used also to trade and not only trade, they used intensely ravage 
the East African coast to get slaves to, to take to, to Madagascar, and not only to the Far East, like uh, as China, and, uh, and the, this is a, a huge um, continuum of trade that was going on in the Indian Ocean. So we've got these uh, survivors from the Santiago wreck who make it ashore in Mozambique and they find a, a very vibrant place, a, a place with a Portuguese uh, settler already there and trade going on. Already there. Yeah. And so how did the Portuguese settlement in Mozambique expand from that moment? They, as the, the Portuguese first, they make some uh, uh, settlements on the coast. They're not... They have not been very much dedicated to occupying land, but only make trade settlements, Sufala trade settlements, and also Mozambique Island. But very soon, after already in the 15th century, they begin developing some settlements, concessions along the Zambezi River, up to very much in the interior. And also Mozambique Island developed as a very important town. That was one of the most important, we know now that it was one of the most important harbors in East Africa and Indian Ocean since the, since the 16th century, because it was uh, fundamental for the Portuguese as a support for the Indian career, for the ships that sail up to India. One of the most famous ships, I'm going to tell you this because it's very interesting, I tell you. You know, one of the most famous ships in the world was the galleon Flor de la Mar. This galleon was uh, built in Lisbon in, uh, in the 1501 and was sailing to India. Here, uh, he sailed to India. On the return back, he was in very bad shape because of uh, a storm and he goes to Mozambique Island and stayed there for uh, one year to be repaired. So this shows the capacity of the Mozambique Island already at that time to, to, to repair uh, these huge galleons. And this is very interesting because that galleon Flor de la Mar, afterwards it was the admiralship of the great Portuguese conqueror Afonso de Albuquerque. And Afonso de Albuquerque take that ship to ransack the, one of the most prosperous cities in the world at the time, that was Malacca. And the, the Malacca was ransacked, and after Afonso de Albuquerque was sailing with an, an, an enormous treasure to be offered to the, given to the king, Dom Manuel, and there was a big storm uh, outside Malacca, and the boat sank there. And this, anybody, it was not discovered until now, do you know, that boat is still there, uh, unnoticed and undiscovered with this fantastic treasure, and there was a lot of uh, uh, ideas and uh, uh, polemic about the ship and this, uh, the tre uh, treasure hunter Grattan, I think it's Grattan, he claimed that he had discovered the wreck, but... Uh, I don't believe it's still to be discovered. And the Malacca municipality, they make a replica of, natural replica of the Flor de la Mar that is there exposed in, in, in Malacca. Mm. 
Fascinating stuff. Let's go back to Mozambique. Um, once the what what evidence is there that survives today of the Portuguese presence in Mozambique Island? Uh, there was uh, a very interesting. Unfortunately, we have no images to show, but we, I would like to show you a fantastic monument. It's a small monument in the island. It's a small chapel, and. Yeah. Uh, what is the importance of that chapel? The importance of that chapel is that is the only Gothic monument in... Uh, there was some Gothic monuments in North Africa because the Portuguese, they conquered North Africa some places and they built Gothic monuments there. But outside that, uh, out of Europe, that is the only... 16th-century Gothic monument is a small chapel called Our Lady of the Balwart, and that chapel. If I have imagine, I will I will show you to see the Gothic vault, fantastic, and this gargoyles like Notre Dame gargoyles. It's a beautiful, wow. but it's the only thing that remains from that Gothic uh, architecture because. Uh, that uh, chapel is near the for just the, uh, near the fortress, but the fortress is not a Gothic monument. The Mozambique uh, Island fortress was later, in the end of the 15th century, is a early Renaissance military architecture monument. It was mm. not built in stones like the medieval fortress. It was built in the land uh, land work, no? And yeah. this is because of that that uh, the Portuguese have been able to to resist to the D Dutch sieges of Mozambique Island in the beginning of the 17th century. So we've got the Portuguese. We've got the Portuguese who've settled. They build a fortress, and then they feel threatened by the Dutch exploration. Is that correct? The first fortress was not that one. No? The first fortress was a medieval stone fortress. But after they began building this huge land work, was one of the best uh, in Africa uh, examples of Renaissance architecture. And um, uh, they begin building that and after they managed to resist the the siege of two Dutch sieges because these Dutch are beginning uh, contesting the Portuguese um, the Portuguese domination of the Indian Ocean and uh, but uh, they have me been uh, able to resist the, the the siege during the first during six months and the second during two or three months and there was very interesting accounts of that siege that was published in a small book because somebody that was there in the siege writes some very dramatic description about what happens there. But the the Dutch I presume there is fresh water on on Mozambique Island for them to allow them to actually survive being besieged by they, the Dutch. They managed to survive uh, because of huge cisterns of the fortress because the. In the island, there was no drinkable water. So this is why uh, the island, if we do some archaeological work in the island, don't find very much evidence before the Portuguese, because 
people, local people don't like to sell in the, in the island, but in the mainland, it's only t- three kilometers far from the island. And in mm. the mainland, there are a lot of uh, uh, wheels for water, a lot of water. And people uh, live in villages in front of the island. And when yeah. the Portuguese arrived, they found a small settlement in the island but not a very big settlement like today. And uh, they found there, and they, the Portuguese settled there because there they were protected from the, the threats from the mainland uh, societies, do you know? And they used yeah. to, to go to the mainland to take water for the ships. But Wow, so they, they transported water from the mainland to the island and kept the water in cisterns? Uh, not uh, transported very much water from the mainland. They used to build... Uh, they developed an uh, interesting architecture in the island with terraces. This is the, ah. still the characteristic of uh, today, the architecture of the island, is uh, with big terraces and big cisterns that... Uh, uh, filled with the water from the rain and it's a very rainy place Mozambique Island and they make huge cisterns to to supply water to the houses and also uh, to the boats and this is... That's fascinating the British did exactly the same thing in Antigua in the West Indies where there are no there are no rivers there's no fresh water on Antigua um, so they had to collect the rainwater well, I'd be fascinated in seeing that um, This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What about um, the facilities to repair ships or to build ships? Was there, was there a, a shipyard or, or a port in Mozambique Island? Uh, now there is a shipyard, no? but in that ta- at that time, the 15th, 16th century, the builds were... Uh, uh, because the, there was a lot of... Um, uh, in the bay, in Mozambique Bay, there are a lot of places that get uh, exposed with l- low tide, no? and the boats go there, they carry night, and then they repair with wood from the mangrove... Uh, wood that is very good to repair ships and they develop this this capacity of uh, repairing the the ships in in uh, 
Mozambique Islands. Yeah. And what about the um, underwater heritage, the evidence of shipwrecks? We started off uh, with this wonderful story of the wreck of the Santiago. Let's start with that. Did anyone ever find the wreck of the Santiago? The wreck of the Santiago was uh, discovered and pillaged, but unfortunately, Sam, this was very sad because uh, the wreck was... um, was located by uh, a famous treasure hunter, Ernest Klar. He was a German, that uh, a German uh, uh, person that decided to to sell all the things that he has in Germany and went to the, to buy a boat in I think in Indonesia and uh, begin sailing along with uh, the Indian Ocean with his family. And he found he find this wreck, and he, pi- he have pillaged the wreck, the and the the, the, the what he have sold the the, the, the collections of that in uh, different places. The most important collection was bought by the uh, Peter Maritzburg Museum in South Africa. Another objects uh, bought by the Maritime Museum in Lisbon, but unfortunately the wreck was completely destroyed and pillaged by by this, uh, uh, especially by this Ernst Klar and by other people, that uh, other treasures that went there. And this is something that is uh, very bad, do you know, because that could be a a fantastic study, a well studied, you could have taken very much information now is lost like many yeah. many fantastic wrecks in Mozambique Island along the East African coast that have been pillaged and destroyed by treasure hunters. This is something that is still going on, and uh, this is worried a lot in uh, around 20 years ago. Archaeologists, universities begin being. Uh, uh, very much worried about the destruction of underwater heritage, so they make a pressure on UNESCO and the worldwide movement of academics begin uh, pressuring UNESCO to do something to protect this heritage. And now UNESCO set up a convention, as you know, the 2001 convention, that is specially devoted to protect this fantastic heritage of the world because there are thousands of ships that wreck it and that is an heritage that is fundamental to the understanding of unknown aspects aspects of the history of navigation and trade. So now we are to, working on that uh, uh, task to imp- with UNESCO to implement the convention and to try to save and to mitigate the, what has been done to this uh, uh, fantastic heritage. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes you wonder how how many wrecks there are with so much maritime history, maritime events passing Mozambique Island. Do we have any sense of um, how old? For, yeah, for you to have an idea, only in that small bay, that bay around Mozambique Island, we have now located 25 wrecks and some of some already from the, we have found already some wrecks and evidence that we suspect, suspect now, we have not begun yet studying, but we suspect that it was 
the pre-colonial ships, this big Indian Ocean dhows, and the, we have beginning of the 16th century, do we have the the Galeão Spadart that reckon in Mozambique on the shoals near that, that church of the Balwart, and this is a fantastic ship that was sailing to Europe, to Portugal with a cargo, do you know of what, with Mingo porcelain dishes, and this was more than 1,000 uh, uh, intact plates and bowls of Ming, tang, Ming uh, early Ming porcelain, and uh, this was going to Europe for the aristocracies, European aristocracies, because a, a, a European aristocracies like the Habsburgs at that time, they, has a, they have a fantastic taste for um, uh, Ming porcelain, and they get paid an enormous amount for, for this, so the ship was sailing to, to India. This is a very important to study the economy of the discoveries, because there is the idea that that was uh, Indian spices and things, but not. That was already taking big, huge collections of Ming porcelain and, and, and other things, so that ship was fantastic. And that uh, it was, uh, in fact, uh, pillaged also by ter ter treasure hunters that sold the, the collection of the Ming porcelain in Amsterdam, but very much is still there. You know? There was a very much portion of the hull of the ship, and we are carefully now planning to intervene and better study that, that, that ship because it was one of the two or three or four remains of the, the, the big galleons of the, of the 16th century that first sailed to, to India from Portugal. Yeah. When did the Portuguese presence in Mozambique end? With the independence of the country in 1975, no, the Portuguese government left the island, but the island was capital of Mozambique until the very end of the 19th century, when it was transferred to Maputo at the time called Lourenço Marques. And uh, the, the island began declining its importance since that time, because it was the island has not characteristics for harbour, to be a modern harbour, you know, because the waters are shallow there and so the big ships cannot sail to, cannot go to inside the bay in Mozambique Island. So there was a change and nearby 100 kilometers far, from, more or less from the island, is one of the most important harbors because it's one of the uh, important bays suitable for modern uh, um, navigation. So the island was, uh, uh, the capital was changed to, to, at the time, Lorenzo Marx, nowadays is Maputo, is the capital of Mozambique. So now the island is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yeah, and it was a, just a moment in time, really, wasn't it, when these Portuguese ships were coming around the Cape of Good Hope. They needed somewhere safe to go as their first stop before going across the Indian Ocean. It was like the first safe harbour after the Cape of Good Hope. The one uh, galleon, the galleons uh, used to sail to take three months to arrive to Mozambique Island, and there they, they, they stopped there 
to take water and uh, uh, refreshments and things and uh, and after they sail to India and on the way the way back they also stop in the island so it's a trade post to support of the trade uh, on the way to 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 India in the island develop like that but in the more or less in the 18 in the 18th century uh, there was um, a development of slave trade in East African coast. There was very much demand for slaves at that time, and the, the island began developing a lot like a center for a slave trade center, you know. Uh, there was a, an, a slave economy developed all along the East African coast, and the, uh, along the Zambezi, those concessions, because Praz was also relying on, on slavery, slave labor, and the slave trade was a kind of offshot of that economy and this, the, there was a very uh, big activity of slave trade in Mozambique Island of slaves going to the French islands, uh, Indian Ocean Island, French islands for uh, sugarcane plantations but not only, also to America, Brazil and United States and a lot of slaves uh, went from Mozambique Island to there, and the ships, uh, very famous slave ships, went to Mozambique Island to take slaves, like the São José Paquete da Africa, that was some years ago discovered in Cape Town, because that ship, uh, in the end of the 18th century, wrecked in Cape Town with uh, 300 slaves, and mm. uh, the most of the slaves perished and half of them were sold in Cape Town. But they this was the first ship, uh, wreck of a slave ship found by South African and, and American colleagues. And the, there was a fun now one, uh, it's one of the most important parts of the exhibition of the African American Museum that was recently inaugurated by the Smithsonian. And uh, on the, is, when we begin visiting that museum, we find the, the first one of the first things we found was the exhibition about the São José uh, Paquete da Africa. It was very, very important that uh, uh, meaning, the symbol of that ship, uh, of that exhibition, because uh, as you know, a great part of the American people, United States people, they are. Uh, from Africa, then, huh? descendants of ancient slaves. So this is for them to come to the roots of their origins. And this is very symbolic. And the discovery of, of that boat was very important by our colleague, maritime archaeologist Jacob Bushoff in Cape Town. And the fantastic work has been done there. And now we have found another shipwreck, the second one, another slave shipwreck. A second slave shipwreck, where's that? This uh, Aurora shipwreck in Mozambique Island. That was also one of the most famous uh, shipwrecks in the world. It was the Aurora, and now we are beginning studying with Sug in partnership with our colleagues in the United States, the, from George Washington University, and also the National Park Service of the uh, United States. They are coming regularly every year to work with us, trying to protect and study that uh, important wreck of the Aurora. 
but it's not the only one. As I told you, there was 25 wrecks of different times, and uh, there is uh, a big work we have there to protect the, the, those wrecks. And because this is a treasure, because, you know, underwater you have the sinks. Uh, it's like a time capsule, you know, because everything was has not changed. When a wreck sinks, afterwards it begins being covered by sediments and it's preserved. And it's something of that time no? uh, that we find when we dive. So it's there. We are... We dive there in the aurora, and it's the the aurora there, and all that memory is fresh there and preserved. So it's very, very important to preserve uh, that heritage. And I dream, my dream now is is to find the remains of a Tepdau. This is a fantastic boat, Sam. It's a boat of uh, around 50, 100 tons with square sail, uh, sewn planks, the planks were sewn, and a beautiful boat that was uh, regularly sailing along the Indian Ocean, and it, wa the, and it was extinct. The last have been uh, sailing near Zanzibar and Mombasa in the uh, last century, in the 30s, uh, 1930. <laughs> It was the last 20, it was the last ones, and now it's extinct, and it was a beautiful boat, because it was seen. And do you know why the boat was seen? One of the, the main reasons is because they used to cargo, to, to unload and load the cargo of that ship with the ship carinated. In low tide, the ship stays on the bottom of the sea in low tide, and uh, they put planks and these uh, stevedores, né? they go to the ship né? and because the ship is uh, carinated, it shake when the tide begins coming up, the, the, the ship was shaken né? by the waves and yeah. it's because of its sewn is flexible. Oh, I see. So the sewn planks allow it to move when it's um, half of it. You know, it's 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 resting on the seabed and being moved by this by the sea. Exactly, and uh, yeah, this is uh, a great advantage of that ship in Mozambique Island in the beginning of the nineteenth century. There was all, all, always ten, fifty dows carinated very near the island, and the Portuguese galleon was much farther in the sea uh, because they were not able to do to do to do that and there's no dry docking so they have to have to careen the ships on the shore careen the ship on the shore and this is the reason why those those boats were uh, soon and they were very good sailing uh, with square sail but they, they sail very well and uh, there was only one thing they cannot sail very much time with one board. They must change regularly because if not, the boat can begin distorted on one side because it is tuned, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's fascinating stuff. Um, thank you so much for sharing this story. It seems that um, Mozambique and Mozambique Island is full of so much amazing maritime heritage. I'd, I'd very much like to come out and find out a bit more. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have not more time, but... Uh, it must be, why don't you come, we'll make something with images. 
because yes, the, that would be great. It's not only what I I have spoken; it's other fantastic things that we have not time to speak. Do you know? And uh, uh, there was a fan, near Mozambique Island, uh, 100 kilometers. That was still the southernmost remains of. Uh, uh, First millennium, end of the first millennium, stone towns, the town, these East African towns, and I would like to go with you there, with you there, and film that that place because a fantastic walled island uh, that is uh, incredible, and the, all this uh, is uh, something that have been very much unknown until now. You know this history of the Indian Ocean. Yeah. Brilliant stuff, Ricardo. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I promise we'll come back and find out a little bit more. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Okay, it was a pleasure to speak with you and uh, carry on doing that uh, work you do for uh, disseminating this fantastic heritage of the world. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you all so much for listening. Now, if you've been inspired to learn more about the extraordinary maritime history of Africa, do please check out those previous episodes that I mentioned at the start. If you're new to us in any other way, then please, the first thing you must do is check out our brilliant YouTube channel, where you will find a host of videos showcasing the maritime world in entirely new ways. I'm currently really enjoying the 3D ship flyovers we've created. There's a particularly good one on the Titanic, which is worth checking out as we hurtle towards April when that great ship went down. Please remember that this pod comes from both the Society for Nautical Research and the Lloyd's Register Foundation, so do please check out what both of those institutions are up to. Please in particular look up the Lloyd's Register Foundation's project Maritime Innovation in Miniature. Just Google it, Maritime Innovation in Miniature, and you will find videos of the world's best ship models filmed with the very latest camera equipment. And the Society for Nautical Research you can find at snr.org.uk, where you can join up. It's a brilliant way to both meet people and learn about the world's maritime past from the very best in the business. That's all for now. Cheerio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.